We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the California Golden Bearcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. Enjoy the episode. And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Today we're here with a very special guest. We've been wanting to get her on the podcast for quite some time now, and we finally got it to work. Um, just to give you a little bio, this is off of her website. She is the first woman to call an NFL game on the radio, the first to call Cal f- call football for the Pac-12 networks, and the play-by-play announcer for the first all-female NHL broadcast in the U.S., and she continues to break barriers as a leader in sports broadcasting. She joined the Pac-12 network in 2015, and she's done studio anchoring to calling volleyball, men's and women's soccer, football, basketball, and softball, to reporting everything from rowing to rugby, including Pac-12's men's men's and women's basketball tournaments and a pair of women's Final Fours, to hosting the award-winning Pac-12 Student Section Challenge web show and the award-winning feature show, Our Stories. She's also spent uh, six years as the full-time female voice on KNBR 680 AM radio in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Gi- uh, San Francisco for- San Francisco Giants, the San Francisco 49ers, Stanford, Boo, and then the Warriors flagship radio station. And if you don't, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know why I did this, because uh, on the title of the podcast, you probably know who we're talking to, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is Great Scott. Kate Scott, thank you for joining us this morning. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, Rob, I'm doing great. Thank you for that uh, way too long introduction. Nobody cares, as my old friend Gary Radnick used to say. And we, let's just state for the record that that I am, quote unquote, the professional, apparently, but that I am just speaking into my computer right now. And Rob has like the most professional looking microphone setup that I'm seeing. And I'm back on the radio again. And Rob is beating me hands down. So bravo to you, Rob. Like it, it can only go downhill from here because you look the part, man. You're looking sensational. 
Well, thank you for that. I have a face made for radio, so I think it's <laughs> it's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, this works out perfectly. Uh, yeah, so you know, we're just going to talk about you know your life as a sportscaster. We're going to talk about some Cal stuff. We're going to talk about some reader questions about Pac-12 football and Cal football, and uh, we'll just see where this podcast goes. Sounds great. I'm I'm awesome. ready for the journey. Let's do it. Yes. All right. So the first thing I wanted to ask uh, you is. What's it like being a sportscaster during a pandemic? <laughs> uh, wild, crazy. Uh, I'm so thankful that I wasn't doing the radio show that I am now, as I'm sure some of you know, uh, back on the radio now with 95.7 The Game, uh, hosting the morning show there with, uh, with Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Shafty. Um, but yeah, I was just, my heart went out to everybody who was doing sports radio for the months, right, during the pandemic, obviously. We're more concerned about the health of everybody. But but just to answer your question from a, a broadcasting perspective, it was, I mean, I was hosting a podcast for The Athletic during that time and mm-hmm. not having any live sports, but having to still talk about sports, it really made you flex your creative muscle. Um, and at first I'll say it was a little bit difficult, but then it got really fun for me at least because it allowed you the space that you never have because we're so go, go, go. There's a game every night of the week these days, uh, if not multiple games every night of the week. And you don't have any time to slow down and reflect on what an incredible decade it had been in Bay Area sports. I mean, not yeah. just the Giants, not just the Warriors, even though the 49ers didn't win a title, they got close. I mean, the A's have been really good. Cal and Stanford have traded off being you know good and not so good. So it was fun for me, just as a sports fan who has been so focused on what's next, right? Not just career-wise, but game-wise. And we're always just so focused on the future that I was forced to slow down and kind of get to pause and take in how incredible it has been to get to just be a Bay Area sports fan, let alone somebody getting paid to cover all of these things. You know, like that was a crazy thing that I got to reflect on that while I was at KNBR, like I got to be in a Giants World Series parade. I got to be on the radio as the Warriors parade was going around Lake Merritt in Oakland. Like it has been incredible times. I was on Radio Row, you know, when the 49ers are playing in the Super Bowl. So, um, so those were amazing memories. And yeah, I think that, this has been great for me to reset just as a sports broadcaster and allow me to, again, feel how lucky and grateful I am, not just to have a job right now, but to get to be doing something I love. And now that sports are coming back, Rob, obviously, just even even more excited about what the future holds. Absolutely. I think uh, I, I totally resonate with that with that thing about being creative and just not having basically not having anything to talk about that you usually would talk about. Totally. How, there's, not, there's not a game that you could break down. Exactly. Okay. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? What sports memory? What's something new that you haven't talked about over the last couple of days that you can make interesting and creative and make somebody want to keep listening to you for a few more minutes? Yeah. I mean, this is this wasn't on my list of questions, but since you talked about it, is there was there any episode or anything you recorded over the last few months during the pandemic that is it's just super memorable to you that you wish more people, you know, listened to or, you know, got got a chance huh. to look at? That's a really good question. That is a really good question. Um you know, right at the start of the pandemic when we were just <laughs> floundering like what the hell are we gonna talk about? Um <laughs> One of the first like random acts of kindness that went viral was a, a former Stanford runner. Her first name's Rebecca. I don't remember her last name, but um, just like right at the start of it, when all of us were terrified because we didn't even know like how the virus spread, uh, or, or so we were just 
it's when, you know, the toilet paper and the Clorox and everything was sold out. Um, and she literally was going grocery shopping at like Trader Joe's up in Washington where she lives now. And she saw this older couple in their car, like looking terrified and looking around the parking lot. And, and she still doesn't know what it was um, about their look, but she went over to them in her mask and the, the woman rolled down her window and gave her a hundred dollars and said, can you please go into the store? Like, here's our grocery list. Here's a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. We're terrified to go into the store. So Rebecca did it, um, brought the groceries back and, and just tweeted about it. Not as a, Hey, look at me. I'm amazing. Just as a, Hey, everybody, all of us are terrified. So just look out for each other right now. And understandably that went viral. And Dan Brown, who's obviously uh, a well-known Bay area uh, writer writes for the athletic. And he was one of the first people to contact her about it. And he was one of the reasons that the story went viral. So just to talk about that. And again, get back to things that we often miss because we're so focused on what's next, just like the simple human kindness things that, that can really make an impact and sparked a lot of other people to slow down a little bit and look out for other people. So that was one of the things that, right, like if baseball was going on, if basketball was going on, if it was March Madness, that would not have been a podcast in like March 22nd. But because nothing was going on, just got to have a moment of reflection. So yeah, that that's one that just jumps out to me. Yeah. I mean, the intersection of daily life and like sports becomes more apparent, I think. Mm-hmm during this time where we don't have sports. Because now we're talking about, as you said, those types of stories that might not have come to light, uh, but still has a connection to the sports world that we also love so much. Totally. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll move on from that and maybe take a step back further into a little bit more of the past. Uh, We got a question here from at Fight for California, Fight for Cal with a Y, uh, which is which he asks, he says, when did you first dream of becoming a sportscaster? Um, <laughs> and from that, what lessons did you take from your mic person days into your broadcasting career? Yeah, two great questions. I like the fight with the why in it. So thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah, I was, you know, because I was a woman and there were very few women who were doing sports broadcasting none really doing play-by-play when I was growing up. Um, it wasn't until Mr. Schmalzel, what's up, Mr. Schmalzel, Dan and Clovis, uh, one of my advisors in high school, because um, I was planning to go to college and get my teacher credential, because a lot of my friends were going to be teachers, and my mom was a teacher for a long time, special education teacher for 30-plus years, and I just I love impacting people and inspiring people, um, so I just thought that was a great way to impact the youth for the next generation. And then Mr. Schmalzel was like, KKK, let me just point something out to you. Like as we're applying for colleges, right? He asked me what I wanted to do. And I told him teaching. He was like, that's great. Obviously I care about that. I've worked in education for all my life, but he's like, you play every sport. Um, you do the morning announcements. You announce every sport that you're not at. You're like our PA announcer for them. You write for the sports section of our newspaper. Like, why don't you look into sports broadcasting? <laughs> and it literally wasn't until my junior year in high school, where I thought, huh, okay, now that somebody has just verbally kicked me in the head, I'm like that's a really good idea. But you have to remember, uh, even though I'm not even 40 yet, like back when I was a kid watching sports, it was Hannah Storm, Susie Colbert, Bonnie mm-hmm. Bernstein, 
Leslie Ritter, Andrew Kammer, you know, Robin Roberts, Linda Cohn, but they were either sideline reporters or they were sports anchors. Nobody was actually calling games. Right. Um, so it wasn't until I got to Cal and started majoring in mass communications and learning more and more about what it took to do certain jobs that I even considered being on air in any way. I was still considering myself a print journalist when I got to Cal. Um, and then it wasn't even until after I graduated from Cal that play by play, one of my main things now came into the picture. Shout out to Paul Aldrich, who who produced back in the day. I'm sure everybody knows the Cal Sports Report. Like, remember back in the day when it was Mike Pulowski and now it's Todd yes. McKim. When there was no Pac-12 network, it was our little like half hour highlight show. It'd be like 20 minutes of football and five or six minutes of the Olympic sports. Um, and I met Paul my sophomore year at Cal and we've stayed in touch. And obviously he's been a big mentor for me. And he was the one who, after I graduated from Cal, said, hey, I'm doing this like high school football package. Nobody's going to watch it. But I, th- I think you can call football. Kate, what do you think? And I said, Paul, you're fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> I, I can't call football. And he's like, stop it. You know so much about every sport. Nobody's going to be watching the games. Like, just try it. This is going to be perfect. It's it's the perfect way to to just see if you enjoy doing play-by-play. Um, and man, I fell in love with it. As a former athlete, it's, it's the best rush you can get because it's totally live. It's unscripted. So no matter how much prep you do, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I love it. And, and you get to interact with the athletes and the coaches and you get to go to the venues. So it's like a, it's as close as not playing or coaching or working for the team as you can be to that, that energy and that, um, you know, just part that I, I loved about being an athlete back in the day. And then what was the second part of Fight's question? It was, uh, what lessons did you take from your mic person days into your broadcasting career? Yes. Uh, so that uh, who knew that being a mic man would turn into a career? Like, <laughs> that was the big thing I learned. It's crazy. Um, my best friend, Megan, who we met freshman year uh, welcome week at Cal, uh, we just joke about what we were doing during our college days. Like she worked in strategy and stuff for the rally committee. We were those big nerds with, you know, the <laughs> but she was, she was in charge of the rally committee when we won the ax back. So she was in charge of like strategy and team building, even though it was on a super nerdy committee level for spirit crew. Mm-hmm. But now she works in strategy and like education all these years later. Um, so what I learned about being a mic man, like how to pay attention to the crowd, right? When to be quiet, when you need to speak up, when to get the audience involved. Um, how important just like tone and intonation. I took voice classes after I finished at Cal and that really helped just just little differences that you can make in your voice. How just changing the intonation versus the volume of your voice can make a big difference. Um, so I learned so much from being a mic man and also that connections. I mean, the, the first gig I ever got was thanks to being a Cal mic man when I started as a traffic reporter here in the Bay because the guy, another shout out, John Atkinson, was the PA announcer for Women's Hoops at Cal. Didn't know him, but I walked into his office for my first ever interview out of college and I was terrified. And his first words were like, oh shit, you're that annoying chick who was on the microphone at Cal. And I'm thinking to myself, well, there goes this opportunity. I guess uh-huh. I should just probably walk back out the door. And he was like, no, no, sit down. You were great. You were great. So so yeah, just using my voice and, and making connections and uh, just how, how crazy it is that things you're doing in college that you're just having fun doing, right? We didn't get paid. We were just leading cheers, cheering on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, so lucky to be a mic man when I was there at Cal. Um, but that crazy things you're doing during college can actually turn into lifelong careers. 
Right. I think that's, that's I mean, you make an awesome point. I think the, the biggest thing with my college buddies that we miss the most is even organized sports. Like when you get older, why is organized sports so difficult to yeah. even like be a part of? And thankfully <laughs> for those that are like, right, <laughs> right. And thankfully for us that like at least have still some connection to the sports world, like we get a little bit of that. Like for me, when I'm at Cal game days in the press box, like I, I, kind of get that feeling back but yeah. i think i mean it's probably even more so for you when you're when you're busy um on game day so i guess I, though i guess a leading question for me with that or tie-in question would be how much how much prep does it really go into for you for like let's say a, a football game on saturdays like how much are you prepping monday through up until game day so much prep <laughs> there's so much and and I will say I think I overprep because I'm a woman, and I've heard this from every uh, the, every other woman, right? Because if we mess up a name, it's because we're idiots and women don't know anything about sports. Whereas if a, a guy messes up a name, it's oh he just you know mispronounced it that one time. So there's that added layer of gender pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because there's so many people on the team, and the way I see it is, it is an absolute privilege again for me to get paid to to call a sport, and also that I could be calling a a moment in somebody's career that could be the biggest moment of their career. So, right. You want to, you want to honor the game and the players and the fans to the best of your ability. So that's why I dive so much into my prep. Um, But yeah, it starts on Monday with, with at least emails with the people you're working with. You're, you're in close contact with your producer because that's the person who really, um, decides what we're doing along with the director. The director decides the pictures, but the producer is a lot of the storytelling behind the scenes. So they often will say, okay, these are the guys we want to talk about or the position groups and here's why. And then uh, on Tuesday, we'll, we'll dive more into those stories um, and oftentimes have a call and, and talk about how we want to bring the graphics into the broadcast. Okay, here's how I'm planning to talk about this story. Can you guys get a graphic like this to support it? And the statistics I would like on it, like you get really into the weeds. Um, and then, you know, the, then you're putting together your board, which takes a couple of days. I put together my board myself because that's a big part of my memorization process. Mm-hmm. If I'm typing in guys' stats, it's easier for me to remember than a few days later. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. That's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can get you the help you need and the quality hire you need as well. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And then Friday um, is where you're meeting with the coaches in a non-COVID year. Uh, You know, I'd be at Memorial Stadium talking with Justin, talking with the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator. They usually bring in a couple of star players that we asked to speak to as well. And that's, that's how you hear announcers the next day, be able to say, well, we spoke with Chase Garbers or whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. They usually give us a good half hour, uh, 45 minutes, depending on the guy's class schedule. And then you get to the stadium bright and early the next day, check in with the truck, make sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, get, get up to the booth and talk to your statistician or your spotter if you have one and tell them what you're really going to be focusing on. So it is a, it is a full week of prep. But then the most important thing is crazy after you do all that prep is to forget about all the stories and just call the game. And that's something I'm still working on. You know, I think all of my sports, except for football, um, are at a pretty high level. But because I'm only able to call one football game a year, if I'm lucky, you know, you get to the end of the third quarter and you're like, sweet, I finally found my rhythm. Oh, I got I got 15 minutes left. This sucks. <laughs> you know, can I, can I call 10 or 12 games? So I'm hoping to get there eventually. Um, but but that's the thing. You take all your prep, but then hopefully you just have a great game. So you get out of the way and you're just calling names and numbers and, and yardage and all that stuff. But it's a lot of work and a lot of fun all at the same time. That's that's awesome. I mean, I think uh, I totally get where you're coming from, even for me when I'm at Memorial Stadium for home games. Just the amount of work that goes in during the week uh, yeah. to make sure you have all the players' names and numbers memorized. So when you're looking down at the field, you're not screwing up uh, who caught that pass or who exactly. threw that pass. Uh, but uh, all right, I got I to gotta ask this. So in, in a let – me, let me preface this. Uh, <laughs> okay. In – when you watch a Korean drama or a Korean TV show, there's these moments where the main character does something embarrassing and they and they relive it the next day. And what they do in Korean, what we call it, Ibr kick, which it translated means blanket kick. Um, and it's one of those moments that you're so embarrassed that all you do is like you're in your bed, your blankets over your face, and you're just like screaming and kicking, right? Because of just this, the sheer amount of embarrassment that's running through your head because yep. of what happened. Do you have a blanket kick moment during your sports casting career? like you're when you look back you're like this i can i i still cringe or i still you know would would throw my blanket to the side like whenever i remember that's hilarious i love that you're gonna have to teach me how to say that in korean rob because that's hilarious and yes it happens all the time um so i will just go with the latest one and i'm so pissed at myself because it was such a big broadcast and i knew that everyone was just going to be waiting for us to to mess up uh and in the open of the nhl game that i called back Mm -hmm. in uh, in March, which feels like 500 years ago at this point. Yeah. But um, 
we usually do recorded opens, um, and which means, you know, just 15 minutes before the game or whatever. You, you do that little first part, like the first two and a half minutes, um, just so you have that recorded so that as it's playing, you can really get your mind right um, during the game. Uh, NBC wanted to do it live, which is great because most of the time we do it in one take anyway after you've been doing this forever. Um, so, so we're starting the Open, and uh, I called Ryan O'Reilly, who is the top-line center for the St. Louis Blues. Shout out to the four hockey fans watching or listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and instead of calling him the center, I called him the captain of the Blues. And again, like, it's my first ever NHL broadcast. It's national television. Like, I am just thinking, Kate, don't fuck up. Just make it through this Open. So I, I didn't even remember saying it. I thought I called him. I was like, the big number 90, the center for the St. Louis Blues, Ryan O'Reilly. And then my analyst starts talking about it. And I go back and I was like, oh, fuck. I called him the captain, not the center. Are you serious? So, of course, like, I'm sure so many Blues fans just, like, tuned out after that and was like, who is this chick calling this game? So so that was a pull over my head moment just because I was like, oh, I didn't even get into the game before I messed up. Come on, Kate. But, but again, that gets back to the live aspect of sports. And, like, uh-huh. all of us make mistakes when we're talking every single day, right? During this conversation, you and I are going to have a ton of just, oh, I didn't even <laughs> to say that. Like, let me back up and start again. Um, so it's completely natural and human, but uh, that was the, the pull over the face blanket moment. Because when you're broadcasting, you always want to be perfect. And it's taken me a long time to realize that doesn't happen. So you just got to, you know, my analyst told me, so we go to break and she goes, Hey, just FYI, you called you called O'Reilly the captain. And I was like, AJ, are you fucking serious? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, gosh, dang it. But we just laughed to ourselves, and then we moved on, and the rest of the broadcast was great. So you just got to pull them up over your face for a second, pull them back down, and then get back to broadcasting. Man, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, to be fair, I think there there are more than four uh, hockey fans listening. I am, for one, a uh, an avid Anaheim Ducks fan. So uh you. Yes, yes. I love shout that. out shout out to my guys Paul Korea and Timu Solani. <laughs> yes. Shout out to my old school Ducks. I was going to say I hated the Ducks when I was growing up cuz I was obviously a Sharks fan. So yeah. the fact that you guys were so good so soon after you launched as a franchise just pissed mm-hmm. me off. Yeah, and uh I still have my John Sebastian Jagir Ducks white with the that looks like the the jerseys that they wore in The Mighty uh, Ducks, right? The Mighty Ducks number yeah. 2. Yes. 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 Totally. Yep. That's awesome. Those, oh, don't let go of that one ever. Keep it forever. Oh no, yeah. I am I am gonna get it framed at some point. Yes. You know, when I, I buy a house, it. it'll be on the wall. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh one of our writers, Alex, is also a big hockey fan, and he had a question actually right about um your experience in the NHL. He uh and so it leads in perfectly. So as a hockey fan, I'm curious about your takeaways from getting to work on an NHL broadcast back in March, which you kind of touched upon, but if you want to expand yeah. on it, that'd be awesome. Oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. Well first of all, just how welcoming the hockey community was, right? Like NBC has this crazy idea, let's do an all women's broadcast. Um and there's so few women play by play announcers. Um and luckily, I've been working with them on basketball, A10 basketball, for the past three years um, and had apparently made a good enough impression that they told me, gave me that opportunity. I told them they were crazy and I still think they are. But, um, you know, I, I was very concerned about what this because I know that it's a very tight knit community. So I, I just wasn't sure, honestly, what the response was going to be. I cannot tell you how many play by play announcers um, 
reached out to me, um, John Forslin, right? One of the best, Doc Emmerich, Alex Faust down with the LA Kings. Um, I'm forgetting some names, but literally like all over the country, I got just random messages from these guys who I'd never met. No, I've never ho- called hockey before. But they're just like, hey, Kate, so excited about this broadcast. Think it's a fantastic idea. Like, here's my cell phone number. If you need any help, if you have any questions, just reach out. And that was that was phenomenal um, because so often, especially in the competitive industry that is broadcasting, like people just want to fail, right? Uh, so many people out there, sports fans, understandably, think like, I could do that. Um, so, so to have that initial response and then getting to the rinks, I mean, we, we called some practice games, got to be out in Chicago, actually called a practice game there, called another practice one in St. Louis. And then I actually went down to San Jose and called a Sharks game just secretly by myself behind the scenes. Um, and same thing, just like all the broadcasters, so welcoming everybody involved with all the teams, incredibly welcoming, got to talk to a number of the players. And I, I've always heard it like hockey guys are the nicest guys around, but it was so true. I mean, to have Alex Petrangelo, the actual captain of the St. Louis Blues, <laughs> um, come in before this huge rivalry game, Blues-Blackhawks, and, and just be like, hey, welcome. Like, how's it been? He knew what was going on. He was so kind to AJ and Kendall, who were my analysts, and and every hockey player treated them as equal. So that was really cool for me to see that like Patrick Kane, who's a superstar for the Blackhawks, he and Kendall play like pickup hockey during the summer together. The guys and gals play hockey together during summer at like the elite level, like gold medalists and NHL guys. So that respect really spoke to me as well. Um, And then just kind of the pomp and circumstance, right? Like it's, I've called a ton of games, obviously like got to do some 49ers preseason and have done Pac-12 football. I've been all over the country now calling, calling all different levels of games and different sports. Um, But, but being up in the booth at the United Center as um, you know, the guy who sings the national anthem there every night is belting it out in operatic form and everybody is singing along with him. Like that was the first time I got choked up during a national anthem. I'm getting a little choked up again because it's just so rare as a broadcaster, you let yourself again, kind of like I was saying about the pandemic, soak, soak in and just kind of feel a moment because you're so focused on what's next. And okay, this is the first graphic we're going to hit. This is what I need to throw to four seconds after we come back from break. Um, But man, it was just for folks who don't like hockey, just figure out a way to get to a game because it's such an, Mm -hmm. it's such an in-person sport. I think more than any other sport, it just doesn't. And I love watching it on TV, but until you go to a game in person, I think it's hard to watch on TV because the puck moves so fast. Um, So, so the kindness, the acceptance, the support, and then just how cool it is to go to a hockey game in person and what that feeling is like. I'm getting chills again just thinking about it. So so thanks for the question, Alex, because it was really damn cool. And I can't wait for the Sharks to get up and run in and for us to, fingers crossed, hopefully be allowed to get back to the tank in the next four or five years, whenever it comes. <laughs> yeah, I I I can only echo the thoughts on hockey as a as a junior second place left wing champion <laughs> yeah. in in Korea as yeah. a elementary school student. I can only say hockey is definitely in person. <laughs> I love that. Did you read? I don't know if you did read, and I I'm forgetting the name of the book, but uh, about the United Korean Women's Hockey Team that was forced together at the yes. at the Olympics. If you haven't read yes. that book yet, and hopefully Rob, you can look up the title. But I got sent it because a friend wrote it, and man, it was it was one of those great like feel good hockey or just yeah. 
sports stories that I knew nothing about. Super quick read, but uh, it, it made me love the sport of hockey even more. Yeah, I, though I'll recommend you uh, if you want to watch it. It's in Korean, so you're gonna have to watch it with subtitles. But there's a movie that that uh, it's a yeah, it's a movie that goes over the women's handball team, the Korea women's handball team at the Olympics, and yeah. just the struggles they went through going through it. Yeah, like it did super well in theaters uh, in Korea, at least. And man, no, hook it the, up. I love stories like that. Yeah, I'd love to know the name of that because it's awesome. Thanks for listening, and I hope you listen to part two of our interview series with Kate Scott.